0: you to turn with me to psalm chapter 14 psalm 14 and i'm going to read the first three verses of psalm chapter 14 thank you again for your faithfulness to the house of god amen thank you for being here on a sunday night amen did you come expecting i believe that you're allowing god was speaking to speak into your heart and your life tonight amen psalm 14 beginning with verse 1 says the fool hath said in his heart There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The psalmist said the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. If you allow me to make a play on pop culture for a moment tonight, I want to preach, what does the fool say? What does the fool say? Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the great power of God that's in this house. And I'm asking, Lord, that in a, a simple message with a with an amusing title, God, that you would speak into our hearts and our lives, Lord. Don't let us ever be guilty of being the fool, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. So on Tuesday, I had an important meeting at lunch. Most weekdays, I wear jeans and a casual shirt and my cowboy boots to lunch or to work. But on this particular day, I had dressed in a nice pair of slacks and a dress shirt and and, and had gotten myself all fixed up with the idea in mind that I, I needed to go to an important meeting on my lunch hour. And as I was just about to leave the house, my phone rang. And I looked at the the, the display there, and it was my mother-in-law, and I figured, well, that's for my wife. I'll take it real quick and tell her to call her, then I'm walking out the door. So I answered the phone, and my mother-in-law greeted me with the terrible, tragic news that she had come out of her house that morning to discover that she had a flat tire on her car and that she needed some help getting it changed. She was calling to ask her wonderful beloved son-in-law, her favorite son-in-law, to rush right over and help her get the tire fixed. You see, the problem was that there wasn't enough time to change into work clothes and go change the tire and then come back and change back into my nice dress clothes and then go on to work. So I resigned myself to the fact that if I was going to retain my position of prized beloved son-in-law, that I was going to have to wear my nice dress slacks and my nice dress shirt and hope against hope that I could, I know I can't because I never have before, change a tire without getting too awful dirty. So with some trepidation in my voice, I said with as much artificial enthusiasm as I could manage, that's not a problem at all. I was just walking out the door. I'll be right there. And then it happened. And I could hear the glee in her voice as she delightfully laughed and and cried the words, April Fool's Day. In nineteen, I'm sorry, in seventeen oh eight, a correspondent wrote to the British Apollo magazine and asked this question in stilted English of the seventeenth or eighteenth century Whence proceeds the custom of making April Fools? And it was discovered in that magazine that day that there wasn't a good answer for the origin of April Fool's Day. And there still isn't a good answer. The puzzle that April Fool's Day presents to cultural historians is the fact that it was only during the 18th century that detailed references to it began to appear in the literature. But at that time, the custom was already well established throughout northern Europe and regarded to be a very old tradition. Many theories have been put forward about where it came from. Many theories have been put forward about its origins. We know that it existed as far back as the 1500s. But the truth is that the origin of April Fool's Day is as much a mystery today as it was in 1708. But what is not a mystery is the origin of fools. The origin of the fool is the rejection of God. And the term fool is generally used in both the Old and New Testaments in the same manner. It describes the condition of a man that has rejected the knowledge of God. And it describes a state of mind that will ultimately condemn the man or the woman who holds it to hell. That's what it means to be a fool. Now it may be a cultural delight to make someone into a fool on April the 1st. But in all reality, it is a tragic thing to be a fool in the scriptural sense of the word. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. The fool says there is no God. We could stop right there and say that atheists are fools, and biblically we would be correct. However, one thing that we've got to recognize this evening about fools is that the idea A spiritual foolishness is not relegated to the atheist alone. The psalmist was a bit more specific than just saying that a fool is one who says there is no God. The psalmist said the fool is one who said in his heart that there is no God. Sometimes people say one thing with their mouth, but they say an entirely different thing with their heart. And just because someone does not profess to be an atheist does not mean that they aren't a fool. Just because someone does not profess to say with their mouth that there is not a God does not mean that in the reality of their heart that they don't live as if there is no God. You see, in reality, a fool is anyone who lives his or her life as if God does not exist. A fool is anyone who conducts themselves in the words that they say and the places that they go and the things that they do as if there is no God. It makes no real difference if they profess that they believe in God. The real question is, how do you live your life? Because the measure of a fool is found in the measure of the life that is lived. And if you live as if there is no God, if you conduct yourself as if there will never be a day of reckoning, if you go through your life day after day living as if you will never answer to a higher power, then, my friend, according to Scripture, you are a fool. The wise man said in Proverbs 23 and 7, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The fool that the psalmist described is not just a fool in word, not just a fool in deed, but he is a fool in his heart. What he thinks in his heart impacts every portion of his life. And he becomes a fool through and through. The true definition of biblical foolishness is characterized by the life of an individual who lives as if They will never be held accountable by God. It's the life of a person who lives as if there will never be a day when they have to give an account to God. The fool is the person who conducts their life as if they're never going to answer for their actions as if they're never going to answer for every idle word that proceeds from their mouth. The fool believes in his heart and is evidenced in his life that there is no God. Because of this, the psalmist says that fools are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none among them that does any good at all. They are completely totally turned away from and have forsaken the ways of righteousness and goodness because they have purposed in their heart that there is no higher moral authority than their own sense of self-pleasure. They do whatever seems good to themselves with no regard at all for morality and righteousness. That's what it means to be a fool. The fool says... I'll do what I want to do, and nobody better say anything about it. The fool says that if it feels good to me, then that's good enough for me. The fool is very self-centered. From his perspective, he is the only one that matters. He is the final judge of right and wrong. He is the final arbitrator of good and evil. He is a God unto himself. And he does not need anyone or anything else in his life to tell him how he should live. Jesus told the parable of a rich man who after his field yielded a bumper crop began to congratulate himself. Luke chapter 12 and verse 17 contains the parable. It says, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat drink, and be merry. This man was a fool. His whole universe revolved around him. In the brief portion of scripture that I just read, just three verses, he used the personal pronoun I six different times. This self-centered attitude illustrates the folly of foolishness, where there is no other authority, where there is no higher power, where there is no superior definition of righteousness and morality, the carnal man becomes to himself his own measure of what is right and what is wrong. And all that matters is what I say that I will do. He does not consider God. He pushes the knowledge of God from his mind, and he only considers himself. In that passage, with the fool, with his crops and his barns, there was no consideration of God at all. He did not think of God's goodness in providing that great harvest. He did not consider God's provision in the good weather and favorable growing conditions. He did not contemplate God's purpose in providing him with such an abundant overflow. Everything in his life was in his own mind there to be consumed for his own pleasure. It was all about him. It was all about his own gratification. Jesus told that story to illustrate the folly of foolishness the man began to make big plans. He said, I'll I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. Based on the goodness that God had shown him, without ever considering what God might desire from him, he began to decide how that he would consume what he had been given. He said to his own soul, take thine ease, eat, drink. And be merry. I can rest from here on out. I've got it made. I have got. I don't answer to anybody. I can do whatever I want to do. I can live my, my life the way I want to live it. And there will never be any consequences for my actions. But Jesus wasn't finished with the story. The next verse puts the exclamation point on the statement that Jesus was making. Luke chapter 12 and verse 20 says, But God always bad for the fool when God shows up. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? The fool never considers the goodness of God. The fool never considers God's plan and God's purpose. The fool never looks outside of himself. The fool says, I'll do what I want to do. I'll do it however I want to do it. I'll live any way that I want to live. I come to this pulpit tonight to warn you on a Sunday night in April, the week of April Fool's Day, whatever you do, don't live your life like a fool. Whatever you do, don't waste the goodness of God like a fool does. Stop uh, and consider your ways. Uh, Stop uh, and consider your life. Uh, Stop and consider the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. Don't consume it like a fool does. Are you guilty of living like the fool? Are you guilty of consuming God's blessings and God's goodness without ever contemplating the plan and the purpose of God for your life. My goodness. God has preserved you through some times when you didn't deserve His grace. God has brought you through some dark, lonely nights when you had rejected Him and pushed Him away. God has been your protection when you were running from Him. God has watched over you whenever you had no care in the world about Him. Listen to your pastor tonight. Don't consume your life like a fool. Don't waste your living on yourself. Stop and consider the goodness of God. Stop and consider the blessings of God. Stop and consider all that God has done for you. Do you think that God preserved your life so you could waste it? Oh, You remember that brush with death. You remember that moment when you thought it was all going to go away. And God, by His mercy, preserved you. Do you think he did that so you could spend your life on yourself? Do you think he did that so you could just live it any way you want to live it? Do you think that God spared you so that you could foolishly consume the blessing that he had given me? Oh my, that's the life of a fool. A fool is a fool because of his folly. A fool is a fool because of his deeds. Listen to me tonight. It is possible to profess to be wise, yet live like a fool. There are a lot of people who don't regard themselves like, as a fool, but they live like a fool lives. They profess to know God. They profess to love God. They profess to serve God, but they live as if there is no God. They may not regard themselves as fools, but the folly of their action declares that they are fools in their heart because the fool never stops to consider God. The fool is always too busy to pray. The fool is always too consumed with life to take the time to spend time with the master. The fool is always too consumed with the carnal to ever stop and consider the spiritual. The fool has too many important things. Things to do to set aside time for prayer and fasting and dedication. The fool has said in his heart. And demonstrated in his life that he believes that there is no God. Perhaps the most dangerous revelation about a fool in scripture. Is that a fool may not even realize that he is a fool. Proverbs chapter 12. And verse 15 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool seems right to the fool. The way of a fool seems good to the fool. The way of a fool seems to the fool as if he's doing everything the way that he's supposed to do it. His own foolish heart becomes his own standard for right and wrong. And in his mind, he convinces himself that his way is good. In his own heart, he convinces himself that he has done no wrong. His way is right in his own eyes. The psalmist said, they that work iniquity. Those fools, they do it because they have no knowledge. Because they are intentionally ignorant of God. and Because they have decided to put the knowledge of God out of their mind as fools. They become ignorant of the judgments of God. And they think that their way is right. Because they have determined to ignore God. Because they have not made a place and a space in their life for God to speak to them and lead them and direct them. They become callous to the judgment of God. They become callous to the discipline of God. They become callous to the severity of going against the will of God. And they become ignorant of the very judgment that is to come and they convince themselves that their way. It's a dangerous thing when you don't have room for God. It's a dangerous thing when you don't take time to spend with God in your life because if you're not careful, amen, the fool becomes a fool because he rejects the knowledge of God. The fool becomes a fool because he doesn't make a place uh, for God in his life. The fool becomes a fool because he chooses to become ignorant of the judgments of God. The fool becomes a fool because he finds a way to drown out that little voice of conviction. Uh, He finds a way to distract himself So that he doesn't notice that tug at his heart. The fool doesn't have any reservation at all about sin. Because he doesn't have any real knowledge of sin. To him, everything that he does is good. To him, sin is always something that somebody else does. To the fool, their life is perfect and everybody else is wrong. They don't have any knowledge of their own wrong. Their way is right. There's no better description of the world that we live in today than that of a fool. With absolutely no sense of a moral compass, our society has embraced sin because they have rejected the knowledge of right and wrong. They have called evil good, and they have declared good to be evil by choice. They have rejected the understanding of goodness and evil. They are absolutely ignorant of the knowledge of God by their own choice. But can I tell you, saints of God, we can't afford to live that way. We can't afford to get so caught up in our life that we don't make time for God. We can't afford to get so caught up in day-to-day living that we don't have the opportunity to stand in the presence of God. We can't afford to become so drowned with the voices of this world and so caught up in the noise and chaos of everything that's going on in this life that we can't hear the voice of God, that we can't feel that gentle tongue of the Spirit of God. We can't afford to live like Like the fool lives with no knowledge of what is good and pleasing to God. We must be diligent to maintain our awareness of God. We must be persistent in submitting our hearts to God. We must examine ourselves and our thoughts and our motives. We must bring ourselves uh, before the throne of God uh, and say, Lord, search my heart and search my thought and search my ways. And if there's anything in me, God, that's not like you examine me, search me. I don't want to get to the place uh, where I convince myself that my way is good even when it's contrary to the way of God. Many a good man has gone astray simply because he allowed the mindset of a fool to get into his heart. He decided that he knows better than God does what is good for him. Many years ago, a man called Stephen Charnock wrote a book called The Existence and the Attributes of God. One of the chapters in that book was named Practical Atheism. He defined a practical atheist as one who may not be an atheist in name, but who is an atheist in deed. It is a person who acknowledges God, but lives and behaves in a way that denies God. Let me get down to where the rubber meets the road tonight. The practical atheist goes through life, burdened with the toil and troubles of this world, but never takes the time to avail himself of the rest and refreshing that only comes from God. He professes the knowledge of God, but he ignores the presence of God. He professes a love for God, but he lives as if there is no such thing as a fountain of living water overflowing into his life. He carries around with him his burdens and his despairs, and it never crosses his mind to fall at the feet of the Master. The practical fool lives as if he has to bear his burdens alone. He lives as if he has to overcome his obstacles by himself. He never takes the time to appeal to the mercy of heaven. How many times have you sat in the house of God while the glory of God was moving through this place but have failed to really reach out and touch God yourself for your own personal need? How many times have you clapped your hand and amen the preacher and clapped along with the singers and felt the glory of God moving and said, Lord, I wish you'd touch somebody else but never really took the time to reach out and get a hold of God and get the blessing that you need? Living with the awareness of God. Living with the... Un- I serve a God that can heal. I serve a God that can deliver. I serve a God that can open doors and no man can open. But I'm going to go home with my sickness. I'm going to go home with my bondage. I'm going to go home with that problem unanswered in my life just because I believe in Him but I haven't really taken the time to touch Him. The practical atheist lives... As if he has the knowledge that the Lord is his help. He has the knowledge that the Lord is his strength. But he never really finds the right opportunity to let God become his help. To let God be his strength. The practical atheist finds himself at a crossroads in his life with important, potentially life-changing decisions that need to be made. And he's not afraid to call the pastor. And he's not afraid to call his friends. He's not afraid to get on the Facebook page and say, please pray for me. But it never crossed his mind uh, to get on his knees uh, and call upon a God who loves him and say, Lord, I need your help. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting right down in your living room for a little while tonight. It's possible to go to church, to be a Christian, to claim that you love God and serve God, but live just the opposite. It's possible to declare the glory and the majesty of God, but live as if you're ignorant of it. The practical atheist lives under the condemnation of past sins and never really breaks free from the guilt and shame of God. He believes in the mercy of God. But tragically, he isn't convinced that he's good enough for the grace of God. And he lives in bondage while he believes in a God that can set people free. The practical fool knows that Jesus Christ died to set us free. But somehow... She disqualifies herself from the liberty that God desires to give her. A story was once told of a man who was crossing the ocean. He was leaning over the side of the vessel. It was a bright and sunny day, and not a wave broke the surface of the water. Just a ripple here and there, kissed by the rays of the sun. And the man, as he leaned over the rail of the vessel, was tossing something into the air, something which, when it fell through the sunlight, sparkled with singular radiance and glory. And he watched it so eagerly as he tossed it up into the air as it dazzled in the sunlight, and then he caught it as it fell. And he tossed it up again. again and it threw out its marvelous rays of bright brilliant color as it fell through the sunlight and he would catch it in his hand at last an onlooker came and said man may, may I ask what it is that you're throwing into the air so carelessly certainly the man replied have a look it is a diamond The onlooker was amazed and said, well, is it worth much? The man said, yes, it's a very great value. See the color of it. See how flawless it is. See how beautifully it reflects and refracts the sun. In fact, everything that I have in the world is in that diamond. You see, I am moving to a new country to seek my fortune." And I have taken everything that I own, and I have sold it all. And I've bought this one precious stone. This diamond is everything in my life. Startled, the onlooker asked him, said, If it is so valuable, why are you taking such a risk with it? The man merely chuckled and said, It's really no risk at all. You see, I, I've been doing this for a while now, and I haven't failed to catch it yet. And the onlooker pressed on, and said, But there there might come a last time. You might make a mistake. You may have pressed your luck too far. And just then the man laughed and he threw it up in the air again and it dazzled in the sunlight again and he reached out and he caught it as it fell again and again and again and then once more. And it flashed and blazed with glory as it fell through the sunlight and he watched so eagerly as it tumbled back down to where he was. But alas, this time the inevitable happened. This time the diamond is too far out of reach. This time he reaches as far as he can over the rail of the vessel, but he cannot reach far enough. And with a splash, the diamond falls into the ocean. And for a startled moment, he stares at where the diamond disappeared beneath the waves. And then he cries with his whole being, Lost, lost. All that I have in this world is lost. Now you may say, Pastor, nobody would ever be such a fool. But you might be surprised to know that the story is absolutely true. And the man sits here among you. Who, you may say, But, my friend, you are the man, the woman, the person. The ocean is eternity. The vessel is life. And the diamond is your soul. And some among you have been playing foolishly with your soul. And I come to this pulpit to ask you tonight... What is that thing that you're so carelessly playing with? What is that thing that you are so carelessly tossing into the air? And you say, but pastor, it is my soul. And I question you of its value. And you declare that it is worth more than the very life that you live. For the value of eternity is wrapped up in your soul. So pastor says, don't you think you're taking a terrible risk by playing with your soul the way you're playing with your soul? To which comes the foolish reply, oh no. I've been doing this for a while now, and nothing bad has come of it yet. I've been throwing it up in the air for quite a while now, and I haven't yet failed to catch it. Oh, my dear friend, hear the voice of a preacher tonight. Whatever you do, don't be a fool. Whatever you do, don't play with your soul this way because one time too many, you're going to play the game. One time too many, you're going to take the risk. One time too many, you're going to walk away from the calling of God. One time too many, you're going to reject His plea for mercy. One time too many, the voice of God is going to speak into your heart and you're going to say, No, my friend, I think I'll wait for another day. I think I'll wait for another season. I think I'll wait till I get a little older. I think I'll wait till I achieve some goal. I think I'll wait for more convenient time and you'll toss the diamond into the air one time too many and it will fall far beyond your reach and tumble into the ocean of eternity and in that moment when it's too late You're going to recognize what you have lost. And your heart will cry, the cry of the fool. Lost. Lost. Everything in my life is forever lost. Tuesday may have been April Fool's Day. But I believe that today is the day to quit living like a fool I believe today is the day to quit taking chances with eternity I believe that today is the day to quit playing games with your soul, to quit playing games with the calling and the purpose of God. I believe that today is the day to make up your mind to follow the Lord. I believe that today is the day to make up your mind that you're going to be who you say you are. Today is the day to quit acting as if there is no God. Today is the day to realize the promises of God that he has for your life and lay a hold of them. Today is the day to put your soul back into God's hands before you lose it forever. Don't listen to what the fool says. Don't listen to the message of hell. It says you can... You've got another day. You've got another chance. There'll be another Sunday. There'll be another service. There'll be another sermon. The fool says there'll never be a day of reckoning. There'll never be a day of accountability. There's never gonna be a day of judgment. You can play as long as you want to play. You've gotten a long way with it this far. You can keep on, keep it on. It's always gonna be as it's always been. But I come to tell you tonight, one of these days you're gonna go too far. And you will lose your soul. The fool says there is no God. But the preacher says, There is a God, and He loves you so much that He died for your sins the preacher said there is a God and he was concerned enough about the condition of your soul that he made this service today just for you the preacher said that God loved you enough uh, to send a man into your life to beg with you and plead with you friend don't take this risk Uh, friend don't keep playing this game friend it's time to guard your soul there is a God and he bids you to come unto him and find rest and refreshing. There is a God, and He has a purpose for your life. Please, stop playing the fool. Please, stop living like a fool. Please, consider the truth. There is a God. There is a heaven to there is the hell to shine and your soul is it's worth more than anything else in the world would you stand with me the real question tonight is not what does the fool say the real question tonight is what will you say because now we come to the uncomfortable part. Now we come to the inconvenient moment. Now we come to that moment when doubt tries to come in and steal away from you. What God is trying to do in your life, I feel very strongly the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. It is undeniable that the power of God is speaking into hearts and lives right now. There's conviction in this house right now. The fool says, wait for another chance. The fool says, there'll be another service. But the question is, what will you say? God is calling you, come home. God is calling you, come back to a promise. God is calling you. Restore your relationship with Him. God is calling you to revive and renew some dreams and purpose that He spoke into your life many, many years ago. God is calling several somebodies in this place today to get closer to Him than you've ever been before, before it's too late. God is calling somebody to quit playing with your soul.